on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señores y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. It is season five, episode four, and with you as always, the host of the NAI Ball Podcast. I'm Robbie Gutierrez at Rob G1063. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and we have an absolutely jam-packed show for you tonight. Super excited to be recording this one. We have our shout-outs and mentions return to the show here in episode four, season number five. We talk a little bit about the Southeastern Rumble. We get in to the Cajun Collision, brought to you by NAI Ball. Our top 10 power rankings, the first ever top 10 power rankings here on NAI Ball. And, well, mainly Cody wants you to know they're my power rankings, not his, because uh, he definitely does not want the inbox trouble that we've likely got coming our way in our first ever poll, albeit just 10 teams. Then... We get into the NAI ball hitter, pitcher, and team of the week. We talk about the games and series that you need to be watching this weekend from around the nation. And then the big series of the week heads down south to the Red River, to the conference, and the actual Red River. We'll talk more about that one. But first, ladies and gentlemen, we have to bring in the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. NAI ball himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Cody Butler. Cody, what's going on, baby? Robbie, thank you for having me as always, man. Uh, ready to dive into these tournaments. It was good to have this event with the Cajun Collision. We're so glad to partner with them. Uh, glad to partner with future events next year. And hopefully years going on, man. So we're really glad to help these events, promote them as best as we can. And yeah, I think the Cajun Collision was absolutely outstanding this past weekend. Yeah, no, I think the Cajun Collision was a fantastic tournament. Uh, we saw two teams go 4-0 there. It was really exciting uh, stuff to watch. It was uh, really the, it was defensive baseball. Cody, it was uh, not a lot of offense. We'll get into all of that later. But we did announce today that we are going to be partnering with in 2023 with the East-West Challenge. We have seen the expected team list. Super exciting stuff should that happen. Uh, and and really, I mean, just about everybody telling us that they're, that they're ready to roll in that one, pull the trigger. So that East-West Challenge, Cody, what is coming in that East-West Challenge that will take place in Lakeland, Florida next year? is going to be absolutely dynamic. It is going to be probably, you know, take over as the biggest tournament in the nation. And it's absolutely stacked. I mean, you have the best teams in the West, best teams in the East. Going to be a bunch of World Series teams at the event. Uh, some of our biggest Blue Bloods at the event. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I think it's going to be absolutely sensational. I love that more and more of these are popping up. I mean, whether it's the Rude Foster Classic, the Southeast Rumble, Cajun Collision, now we're having this East-West Challenge. I think this is good for the sport. I think good on good is always going to be good for the NAIA baseball, and I'm glad to see these teams stepping up. Next year, we're partnering with the East-West Challenge, and I hope to partner with it for many years to come because I love the concept. I mean, I absolutely love the concept of getting the best teams from the West, best teams from the East. These teams are only going to get to play each other in the opening round of our World Series. So I just think it's a fantastic opportunity, and we're really looking forward to it. 1,000% agree, man. I, I think that that this is something that we need to uh, encourage more. And, and again, you know, you're going to see – more and more, you're seeing teams playing more top 25 teams and, and more of these, you know, big time matchups where they get good, where we get good teams playing each other early on in the season. And it's what the sport needs, because a lot of times you're going to go back to your conference and it's it's not the same caliber. Uh, it's not the same teams. It's not, you know, you don't have that. And what you get in a weekend, you know, playing the, these teams three or four times, uh, you know, a series is great, but getting to see multiple teams in one setting that that are all you know, powerhouses inside of the top 25. Absolutely fantastic, man. So super excited about that. 
And as we continue to grow this sport and get to see its rise as uh, we're, we're seeing more and more ranked matchups early on in the year. Shoutouts and mentions time. Let's kick things off with uh, Lions' Aaron Hurd. He had two grand slams this weekend. Then their starting pitcher, Clayton Burke, went nine innings pitched, two earned runs against Freed Hardeman. For Antelope Valley, their starting pitcher, Andrew Garcia, nine innings pitched, two hits, no runs, four strikeouts versus the Masters. For Milligan, starting pitcher, Andre Beal, Seven innings pitch, one earned run, 16 strikeouts. He's got 18 innings pitch, one earned run, and 34 Ks on the young season. Weber International starting pitcher Xavier Rodriguez, 20 scoreless innings, Cody. 20 innings pitch, no runs, 25 punchouts. Corbin starting pitcher Zach Simon, six innings pitch, no runs, 12 strikeouts against Ottawa, Arizona. Kaiser, third baseman, Tim Bouchard, 16 and 28, 11 runs, four doubles, four home runs, 19 RBIs. Dude is on fire. Southeastern University catcher Gary Laura, he's hitting 467 with seven home runs and 21 RBIs. GGC, third baseman, Jake DeFries has 11 stolen bases on the year so far. LSUS pitcher Kevin Miranda, 17 scoreless innings to go along with 36 punch outs. That dude has been electric. St. Ambrose, first baseman Cooper Huckabone, 8 for 14, a double, four home runs, and 11 RBIs. Then Tennessee Wesleyan starting pitcher Kobe Foster has got 14 scoreless innings, allowing just three hits on 17 Ks. Mac U, their starting pitcher, Friendsley Lato, program record 15 strikeouts versus Evangel. For Doan, the right fielder, Nate Meske, went 4 for 5 with a double, two home runs, and 10 RBIs in one game. Cody, one game. Don also had 11 extra base hits in 29 runs versus Sagu in game three of that series. He scored 23 of those runs in the first three innings. So with nine outs, they scored 23 runs. And then Menlo senior Christopher Lopez hit 615 with a double four home runs, 10 RBIs, including a three home run game and a walk-off shot. Definitely, Cody, some impressive performances this week. Strikeouts were up this weekend. I mean, pitchers were getting it done. Uh, some of the strikeout numbers we've seen, absolutely incredible. 16, a couple of 14s. we got a 15. Uh, it's really been special stuff. Really good week for the pitchers. It is, and and I think you could say that a, a, across a lot of baseballs, that strikeouts are up. And, uh, you know, it's good to see pitchers take advantage of that because, it, Cody, I think you'll agree with me, this is an offensive league overall. I think the one thing that uh, really separates us from other places and teams and divisions, things like that, is is the pitching depth is different. It's not as deep in a lot of ways. Uh, and so to see strikeouts be up, to really kind of elevate the level of pitching at this level, I think is fantastic. It's something I, I want to see. Uh, I know you're different. You like the long ball and, and you know, you want to see the offensive prowess, but I, I definitely love to see pitchers getting strikeouts. And there are some electric pitchers on the mound this year in the NAI. Yeah, I mean, I could not agree more. I mean, you talk about a guy like Kevin Miranda, has the win over Loyola this week, comes back in short day's notice and punches out 15 in a win over Southwestern Christian, who looked really good this weekend at the Cajun. I just think pitchers across the board are looking really special. I think Kevin Miranda is a guy to watch. He's a guy that, you know, last year had a high ERA, and he's coming back, and he has been dominant, has not given up a run in 17 innings this year. He's a guy to watch moving forward. We're going to talk a little bit more about Kevin Miranda here in just a second, but first – the Southeastern Rumble took place this weekend, both at Reinhardt and in Lake Point. And Cody, here are the results from those matchups. Reinhardt went one and two. They defeated Faulkner, losing to Taylor in St. Thomas. Tennessee Wesleyan went three and one. 
They defeated Indiana Tech, Taylor Middle, Georgia, and they lost to St. Thomas 9-1. St. Thomas University went 4-0 in this tournament, defeating Tennessee Wesleyan, Taylor, Faulkner, and Reinhardt. Columbia International went 1-2. They defeated Faulkner in extras, lost to Indiana Tech in Middle, Georgia. Taylor went 1-2, defeating Reinhardt, losing to St. Thomas and Tennessee Wesleyan. Indiana Tech went 1-2, defeating Columbia International, losing to Tennessee Wesleyan in Middle, Georgia. Faulkner went 0-3, losing to Reinhardt, St. Thomas, and Columbia International. And then Middle, Georgia went 2-1, defeating CIU and Indiana Tech, losing to Tennessee Wesleyan. This was an interesting tournament. Uh, nobody going un, uh, undefeated except for St. Thomas, who goes 4-0 in that one. So definitely really, really, really some good ball games that were played out there in Georgia. Most people across the nation came over press with St. Thomas. You know, this was a team I picked to click early in the season. I thought they were going to bounce back, and, man, they have been extremely impressive. Uh, to get the wins they did over Taylor, Faulkner, Tennessee Wesleyan, Reinhardt at third place, just really good stuff. Uh, center fielder Ezekiel Valdez. I don't know if they awarded a tournament MVP at their place, but if they were, it was going to be him. He had a double, three home runs, seven RBIs, stole a couple of bases. Ezekiel Valdez talked to a couple of different coaches. They told me he was sensational. Down six to five to Taylor in the ninth inning with two outs. He hit a home run to tie the game. Later came around and scored the game-winning run in the 11th. I mean, he was just absolutely big time. Uh, their catcher, St. Thomas's catcher, Andrew Fernandez, three multi-hit games out of four. Had a double, a home run, four RBIs. Starting pitcher Gio Soto, he went five innings, one earned, seven Ks against Tennessee Wesleyan. So given Tennessee Wesleyan their only loss of the season to date, uh, just really impressive performance for him to do that. You know, they had the win earlier in the week against Barry, a good quality D2 team. Cannot say enough about St. Thomas. Came away really impressed with them. Uh, Tennessee Wesleyan, who we believe is the top three team in the nation, three and one, they showed why they're one of the best in the country. LeVon Reynoso was really good. Three multi-hit games, their third baseman. He had two doubles, two home runs, 10 RBIs, pitched in relief. Uh, just really good player. Kobe Foster, when we talked about it earlier, eight innings pitched, two hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts, and two starts this year against IUS and Middle Georgia, two really good ball teams. He has been elite. I mean, he's allowed three hits against those two teams, struck out 17 already. Kobe Foster is the real deal. Yeah, there there were definitely some great games, and again, you can take so many dudes from that Tennessee Wesleyan pitching staff and and just highlight and praise them, and and they are really good. St. Thomas, Cody, I think to me has been you know I I know we look to them every year as a team to bounce back. Uh, you know, they're a team that's been so close to winning a national title so many times now, at least twice in the just in the last few years. But they're a team that we think is going to be a national powerhouse each and every year that's going to be competitive each and every year that we expect to find a way into Lewiston each and every year. They, they've basically, you know, that Sun Conference is is three teams that you look to that are teams that are going to be competitive every year. But definitely St. Thomas and Southeastern are the two teams that you expect, you know, just in and out no matter what. And I wasn't sure what that was going to look like this year. Brand new pitching coach at St. Thomas. Uh, after JC left, you know, so I, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how it was going to be. It has been really good so far, and they are absolutely on fire. So excited to see St. Thomas down the road, and definitely some interesting baseball that was played both here in Lakeland and at Reinhardt. Cody, let's go ahead and jump into the Cajun collision, which was in Sterlington, Louisiana, brought to you by us here at NAI Ball. 
And let's go ahead and talk about some of the results from this one. So bear with me here on this one. I'm going to talk about the results, and let's get into our all-tournament team, our all-Cajun collision team, as well as our pitcher and hitter of the tournament. So LSU Shreveport, the host team, went 4-0. They defeated Central Methodist, IUS, Southwestern Christian, and Lawrence Tech. Central Methodist went 2-2. Two and two. They had wins over Cumberland and Southwestern Christian. Losses to Shreveport and McPherson. Cumberland went 1-3. They defeated Jarvis Christian, losing to Central Methodist Tabor and Science and Arts. Loyola went 2-2 two and two with wins over Tabor and Jarvis Christian, dropping games to Science and Arts and Southeastern. IU Southeast went 1-3. They defeated LSUA with losses to LSUS, Southeastern, and Tabor. USAO went 3-1 in the collision with wins over Loyola, Benedictine, and Cumberland, losing to McPherson. Southeastern went 4-0 with wins over IUS, Benedictine, Loyola, and Lawrence Tech. LSUA went 2-2 with wins over McPherson, Benedictine, Losses to Southwestern Christian and IUS. McPherson, 3-1. and one. It was a big weekend for them, Cody. Wins over Louisiana Christian, Science and Arts, Central Methodist. Dropping a one nothing game to LSUA. Tabor went 2-2. Two and two. They had wins over Cumberland and IUS. They had losses to Loyola and Louisiana Christian. Jarvis went 0-4 with losses to Lawrence Tech, Southwestern Christian, Cumberland, and Loyola. Louisiana Christian went 2-2 two and two with wins over Tabor and Lawrence Tech losses to both McPherson and Benedictine. Benedictine went 1 and 3 defeating Louisiana Christian. Lawrence Tech went 1 and 3 defeating Jarvis Christian. Southwestern Christian went 2 and 2 defeating Jarvis Christian and LSUA. Moving on into the all tournament team for the Cajun Collision presented by NAI Ball looks like this. Four starting pitchers on this all tournament team a catcher, first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, shortstop, three outfielders, and a utility player. And then we will get into pitcher of the tournament and player of the tournament. So the rotation, because they played four games in the Cajun Collision, all games, seven innings, looks like this. Starting pitcher Kevin Miranda from LSU Shreveport. Rob Adams from Southeastern University. Starting pitcher Gabriel Figueroa from Southwestern Christian. And rounding out the starting pitching staff for the all-tournament team for the Cajun Collision from Tabor is Austin Seidel, who is our fourth starting pitcher. The infield for the Cajun Collision all-tournament team looks like this. The catcher is Gary Laura from Southeastern University. The first baseman is Alan Dennis from Loyola. The second baseman is James Canner from McPherson. The third baseman is Brian Fuentes from Southeastern University. And the shortstop is Robbie Merced from Central Methodist. The outfield looks like this for the Cajun Collision All-Tournament team. Representing Lawrence Tech is Nick Olson. Representing Science and Arts is Luis Palau. And representing Loyola is Kaysen Cullins. The utility player on this team, representing Cumberland, is Tyner Hughes. So once again, your All-Cajun Collision team is Kevin Miranda, Rob Adams, Gabriel Figueroa, and Austin Seidel as your starting pitchers. Laura behind the plate, Alan Dennis at first, Canner at second, Fuentes at third, Merced at short. Then in the outfield, it's Olsen, Palau, and Cullens, and the utility player is Tyner Hughes. The pitcher of the tournament, Cody, and this one we went back and forth on for a while about who we wanted for this award, but it is Kevin Miranda from LSU Shreveport. 
And the player of the tournament is Robbie Merced from Central Methodist. Yeah, I mean, really tough to choose in this environment with so many good players to pick from. But Kevin Miranda was just sensational. Seven innings pitch, which is a complete game. Three hits, no runs, no walks, and 15 strikeouts. I mean, that is absolutely dominant. You get 15 punch outs in a 21-out game. Just sensational. And Robbie Merced, I mean, he was just electric. I mean, one of the most electric players we're going to see this season. Uh, he had a triple, a game-tying triple. He had three home runs in the event, seven RBIs. He had a walk-off home run, a no-doubter, no-doubt walk-off home run to close the collision. I just think the player of the tournament had to go to Robbie Merced. And the pitcher of the tournament could have won a couple of different guys. But at the end of the day, 15 punch outs. He was just dominant. Miranda's been elite all season long. Looking at the tournament players as a whole, mm -hmm. Rob Adams, absolutely sensational. Terrific sure. start against IUS. I mean, just does a complete game shutout with 12 punch outs. He's been elite this year. 19 innings pitched, one earned run, 30 strikeouts. He's on his way looking like an All-American. Gabriel Figueroa was a dude through a gym. Mm -hmm. 14 punch outs against LSU Alexandria. We talked to LSU Alexandria's coach. He had high compliments of Figueroa. He said that he looked really good, man. I mean, that's 14 punch outs for him. He's on his way to a really good season. And then Austin Seidel, uh, tough luck loss the day before, came back and was dominant. Got a CG win over IUS, which is the top 10 team. Uh, he looked really good. He lived up to the All-American status in the I get him. Gary Laura for Southeastern Boy, one of the best catchers in the league. That guy's on fire. Really, he is on fire. Seven home runs this season. He leads the NAIA in home runs. Uh, I think that's just going to be a fun guy to watch. And he looks like a dude that could absolutely just crush a ball. Uh, living up to it, man. Alan Dennis was a guy for Loyola last year that made a lot of noise. And uh, he's just coming back. He's a really good hitter for them. Probably one of their most successful hitters on their team. And he delivered this weekend. James Canard is an All-American, really good. Brian Fuentes is another name from Southeastern that we need to watch. He's an Indiana State transfer, and he has been really good for them. He already has six home runs this season, has a three-home run game. I think that's a name for Southeastern to watch the rest of the way. We mentioned Robbie Merced. Six home runs this year already for Robbie Merced. Robbie Merced is special, man. He's an he's electric good. player. Alec. He's really good. I mean, I think he's going to be one of the more electric players in the NAI this season. Kind of like Gary Mattis just jumped on the scene last year. Robbie Merced is kind of doing the same thing this season. I really see the same thing with him. Uh, Luis Playout, an All-American, All-NAI ball player, absolutely just crushing it, hitting over 500 this season. Really good stuff from him. Tyner Hughes, Cumberland struggling to hit, but not from Tyner. Tyner's doing his job at the plate. Pitching led the way. I mean, you look at Shreveport, they went 4-0. They gave up three runs in four games. Uh, Southeastern had some really good performances. Drew Gillespie, uh, who's their quote-unquote number one right now, Drew Gillespie went six innings, two earned 11 punch-outs against Benedictine. So, I mean, this is just a really pitching-heavy seven-inning tournament, and the arms got it done. Yeah, it, this to, to say this was a pitching-heavy seven-inning tournament is an understatement. This was a major pitching-heavy seven-inning tournament, uh, and it was really we, – we had no shortage of pitchers to choose from when we were developing this team and when we were planning this out. Uh, it was, you know, some of the – position players were a little bit tougher, but I, I definitely think that uh, pitching was was definitely on display in this tournament. It was great to watch. Cody, if I can, uh, I've seen Robbie Merced, you know, and he's lean. He's legit. He can hit the ball for power. He can hit the ball to all fields. I've seen him go dead center in a place where it's very hard to go dead center. I, I've seen him hit an absolute tank to left. Uh, I mean, the guy's got, like you said, six home runs, 17 RBIs. He's hitting 464. He's being absolutely dominant this year. 
really, really, really good pickup there for Central Methodist to bring in to CMU. Um, he's been absolutely impressive. I was super impressed with Robbie Merced when I saw him in San Antonio uh, just a few, you know, basically about a week ago by now. And then Luis Play, I was a kid that I've seen in the past. He's a kid that, you know, we went back and forth on big time if he should be all NAI ball because he did not play last year. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're talking about a kid who's been an All-American and All-NAI ball in the past coming into the season. I mean, 1,000%, I thought it was something that we needed to do, and I'm glad we did because he's hitting 520. He's absolutely electric. I, I think he's one of the best corner outfielders uh, out there, you know, just outfielders in general, guys that are out there playing outfield. He's, he's a plus defender. He's a plus hitter. He's going to hit for average. He's not going to blow you away with the home runs. But – He's got 13 hits on the year. Five of those extra base hits, four of them doubles, 11 RBIs, three stolen bases, hitting 520 on base percentage of 571, slugging over 800. I mean, this is a kid that I think is really, really, really good. And so I was just really impressed with what, you know, play out and Merced and just so many other players. Like you said, Gary Laura is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, that guy is the definition of, of on fire. You look at a guy like Tyner Hughes, a guy whose team's not having the best season, but he continues to go out there and put on each and every week and, and just continue to, uh, you know, put his team in a position to bring in some runs. And then the pitching is just special. Austin Seidel, like you said, losing a game that's not his fault. Totally. I mean, take the ball out of his hands in that situation there to lose the game. And then on top of that, coming back the next day and, and being absolutely fantastic, really, really good from Austin Seidel. So, you know, just really special in what we saw in the Cajun collision this year, which was of course presented by us for the first time. Really good weekend for McPherson to go three and one, get some ranked wins. I mean, to come out with some ranked wins, you beat USAO, you beat Central Methodist, really good stuff for them to get a winner with the number two team in the country. Pearson's a program that's just continuously on the rise. Louisiana Christian, we're going to talk about them later on in the show. To come out here and get two wins Come out here and put it on Tabor late and then never would have expected that. I mean, just really good stuff coming from D3 over to NAI. They're on a six and two start. And Southwestern Christian, man, they couldn't hold on to Central Methodist, but if they would have held on late in that game, they would have had a three and one weekend. We talked about it last week. This is an opportunity for some of these teams to come out here and get your feet wet and play some of the best teams in the country. And I came away really impressed with Southwestern Christian. I mean, Figueroa, what he did to LSUA, and we think LSUA is the top RAC team. I mean, really impressive stuff with him. Uh, they're going to be in a really tough conference, obviously, every year with USAO and Oklahoma City, Texas Wesleyan. But Kim Lloyd, really impressed with Southwestern Christian. And then Southeastern, I mean, they are who they are. We believe they're one of the best teams in the country. I think you could easily have them number one. I think you could put them anywhere. They're just elite of the elite. And then Shreveport is continuing to prove to me that they're a top five, top ten team. I mean, they're just elite. I think they're upper echelon, closer in the top five ranked in the top ten, in my opinion. And they're continuing to prove that. Uh, their team that's always going to score a lot of runs. But with the pitching that they have, if they can continue to pitch like this, uh, that's a World Series club. 100% agree. I think this is one of the bigger weekends in McPherson program history. I mean, you're you're talking about some of the accomplishments that you had just this weekend and, and what you've done for your program over the years. McPherson is, is a team that has made some leaps and bounds, uh, defeating teams who are, you know, have regular success like USAO, a team who played for the national championship last year, like Central Methodist, to beat a Louisiana Christian team that has come in from a different division and has not been a pushover. Uh, it, it was really, really good showing for McPherson. I think for you know teams like LSUS, I mean, to come out and go 4-0, really impressed with them. 
the pitching for Southwestern Christian, I thought was, was pretty good as well. You know, outside of the one performance, I thought just the overall picture of it was good. I thought we got to see some teams come in and, and do what we expected them to do. And then we, you know, Tabor going two and two Tabor's is literally, literally one held baseball away from being three and one pretty much, you know, having the opportunity, at least a better opportunity to be three and one in this tournament and have a really, really good show. And they still had a really good showing at two and two, but having a totally different, really, really good showing at three and one. So Tabor had their good opportunities there. Uh, Lawrence tech Cody, I came away impressed with, because did it not seem, I know their, their only win was against Jarvis Christian who went zero and four in the tournament, but it did, did it not feel like, Whenever you looked up, baseball the, game of all time. <laughs> well, no, but they were in every single game. Playing up north, man, just come out here and play some good baseball. That's really what they need. And they come out here and they come away with a win. They beat Jarvis Christian, and I'm I am joking, obviously, but that Jarvis Christian game was extremely late. I mean, compared to all the other games on that were playing that day, that game lasted a long time. And credit to Jar- to Lawrence Tech. That's because they kept scoring so many runs. I mean, it's a good job for them. Yeah, no, I, I definitely definitely think that that they had a really good show in this weekend, especially when it's your first weekend uh, getting back out there and, and you've got some big opponents out there. So, Cody, let us move on here to our top 10 power rankings. And when I say our top 10 power rankings, I mean my top 10 power rankings. These are my top 10, Rob's top 10. At Rob G1063. I don't know why I'm throwing that out there again, but you should follow me if you want to DM me mean things. So, wouldn't be the first, by the way. Uh, definitely, 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 Cody, there's a lot that goes into this, a lot of information that we took down, a lot of information that I took down, a lot of information that that was poured through in order to make this top 10. This is who I believe are the top 10 teams in the country at this moment on 215 when we are recording this show. So, I guess without further ado, here we go. There, there are three teams that are not in the current top ten uh, in this list, uh, or maybe more than that. Uh, they, I definitely did move some teams out and around just based on some different categories and factors, and we'll get into that right now. So, let's start at number ten. The tenth ranked team in the nation in these power rankings is USAO, currently five and two, hitting at a three thirty nine clip with a 557 team ERA, but against Cody against the top 25 one and zero on the season with a win over Loyola. That's a lot better than, you know, so many of the teams that were either inside of the top 25 or excuse me, inside of the top 10 or teams that just haven't played anybody inside of the top 25 at all this year. Uh, USA is one and zero at home. They've also done it on the road two and one and two and one in neutral sites that ca- carries weight as well. Number nine is Oklahoma City. OCU is six and one. They can hit. We expect them to be able to hit every single year. Cross factors really good. They have a ton of players on that team that can hit the ball. Jim Wade Stadium is a great place to play. The team ERA is 457. They've scored 55 runs, allowed 32 this season. They are three and one, though, against the top 25 and six and one at home. That reason three and one against top 25 right there gets them into my top 10 power rankings as of this moment right now. Vanguard started the year out slow. Two and two start to the season. They won nine in a row now. They're 11 and two. They're hitting 370 as a team. And, you know, they've only played one game in the top 25, but they are five and oh on the road, two and oh in neutral site games. 
both of their losses on the season coming in the first four games of the year and coming at home. They have definitely made some improvements and have gone on the road to prove that as well. The number seven team in the nation is Central Methodist, who is six and two. CMU has yet to play a home game that this year. They are four and zero on the road, two and two in neutral sites. Both of their losses coming against quality opponents this season. We've seen McPherson take a big step, and then they played in an absolute battle with LSU Shreveport, who is the number six team. LSU Shreveport at ten and one, hitting two seventy three with a three oh eight team ERA, scoring seventy two runs and allowing twenty nine. LSUS is 3-0 versus the top 25 and 7-1 at home with 3-0 record in neutral site ballgames. So I have been extremely impressed with the Pilots. We told you that they were going to be big and physical. Their pitching staff has been fantastic. Vath and Miranda, really good. That's two legitimate arms there that can be dangerous for them heading down the road. The number five team in the midway point in my power rankings is America's team. LCSC at 11 and 1. They're hitting 307 as a team, 348 in the team ERA. They've scored 124 runs and allowed 42. They are 4 and 0 versus top 25 opponents, 5 and 0 at home, 6 and 1 on the road. Cody, my big thing here with LCSC though is is that they are not going to play another NAI opponent for nearly a month until they start play in their uh, Cascade Conference. So 11-1 right now. They're playing a lot of D3 opponents uh, back at Harris Field, but they went down to California, proved it, got it done, came away with just one loss to Arizona Christian, who was considered as well to be in this top 10. The number four team is Georgia Gwinnett, currently number one in the coaches poll, number four in my current power rankings. They are coming off of a loss today to Tennessee Wesleyan at 6-1. and one. They're hitting three. They came into today hitting 345 as a team with a 235 team ERA. They lose today to Tennessee Wesleyan 13 to 7. On the year, updated runs scored, runs allowed total 60 runs scored, 38 runs allowed, but they are 0 and 1 against top 25 opponents. Only that one game against Tennessee Wesleyan, 6 and 1 at home. And then number three is St. Thomas. St. Thomas currently 7 and 0 as we record this show. Cody, they made some big strides today that made me move them. I mean, probably the biggest jump in the nation out of anybody uh, will be made by St. Thomas, who will move from like, you know, number 20, I think, as a definite, when the coaches poll comes out in March, a definite top 25 team, uh, excuse me, top 10 team in the nation right now. I've got them at number three. They're 7 0, 3 0 against top 25 teams, 3 0 at home, 1 0 on the road, 3 0 neutral site. They're also currently 2 0 against Sunshine State Conference teams. They are being uh, tested again tonight by another Division II team in that Sunshine State Conference in Lynn University. That game happening right now as we record this show. Then, on top of that, the number two team moving in to the number two spot, Tennessee Wesleyan, currently 8-1, and one, hitting at 309 clip, entering today with a 291 ERA. 69 runs scored, 32 runs allowed. They are 5-1 against top 25 teams. They have challenged themselves, tested themselves early. They're 4-0 at home, now 1-0 on the road, and 3-1 in neutral sites. And then that leaves the number one team in my power rankings out of Lakeland, Florida, Southeastern University, 13-0, hitting over 350, team ERA of 309, 128 runs scored, 41 runs allowed. 
a 5-0 record against top 25. They're 8-0 at home, 2-0 on the road, 3-0 in neutral site games. And they have gotten it done everywhere they've been, Cody. And again, if even if it's a close game, you said it, I think it was last week. If you're if they're down, you just feel like they're going to chase you down. And that's exactly what they did. They did it against Loyola. They were losing to Loyola. They were able to climb back into that one and come back and win that game. I think that right now, as of this moment, in, in my power rankings, they're the number one team in the nation. Uh, DGC and Tennessee Wesleyan's matchup today played heavily also into this, Cody. Because it was the first time we got to actually see GGC uh, really test itself against another top 25 opponent. If we took the records of the the two series that they've played so far, it, it's really, I, I want to say something like two and a, a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of wins there. I'm I'm not sure if if Midway has a win yet uh, when we record this and, and Cumberland has, uh, I think, one or two entering this. So, you know, I really wanted to see GGC play Tennessee Wesleyan. I thought overall, and I think you'll agree with me on this, it was kind of a sloppy game all the way around. Uh, GGC led in, in portions. Tennessee Wesleyan led in portions. It went back and forth. I think those are two teams that are, are going to be solid down the road. I think there's really uh, currently, as of this moment, several teams that I would put as, as a heavy favorite to be really competitive for a national title. Both Tennessee Wesleyan and GGC are two of those teams. But as of this moment right now, I just feel like Tennessee Wesleyan uh, deserves a higher spot in the power ranking. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with you completely. And I talked about you with this off air. I mean, even last year, Gwinnett winning the national title, they lost to Tennessee Wesleyan 19 to nothing when they played in a game. I mean, it is what it is. I think Tennessee Wesleyan, this group of players, I think what they have, I think they came out there and they won on the road today. Tennessee Wesleyan had a bullpen day. Uh, Jordan Gwinnett was throwing their ace and Tuck Tucker. Tennessee Wesleyan left with a six-run win. I mean, uh, both teams had a lot of errors today. It wasn't some base running mistakes. It wasn't really a well-played game on either part. I mean, we had a drop fly ball on right field. Not a well-played game, but Tennessee Wesleyan continued to score. They scored late. They got to the Gwinnett bullpen, and they did what they do. I think Tennessee Wesleyan, just like last year, is going to be you know one of our picks to win the national championship. They're one of the best teams in the country. The one thing is, you know, this is your top ten, but I will agree and go on record that I do think Southeastern looks like the best team in the country to date. I mean, I think so far they're thirteen and zero. They're elite. Uh, they look the part. They pitched the part this year. You add a guy like Rob Adams to their rotation. I think their rotation is instantly looking a lot better than last year. Pimentel's pitching well. I mean, they just with Gillespie back. I mean, last year they didn't have Gillespie out in Lewis. And, I mean, this team walks into Lewis and with Rob Adams, Pimentel, and Gillespie. I mean, I like their offense a lot. So, yeah, I think Southeastern right now looks the part of a top team in the country. I think Gwinnett looks really good. They got some front end guys that are going to be good for them. I think Tennessee Wesleyan, like I said, I think they're deserving to be the number two. I would have Southeastern and then Tennessee Wesleyan. And then I think everything else is just kind of up for the mix. I think, you know, like you figured out yourself, it's just that 10 through 25 is just going to be crazy. It's brutal. And then even, yeah, it's brutal. And then even the 7 through 10, it can be really tough. I think Vanguard's a team this year that if you look at their run differentials, it speaks for itself. They score a lot of runs, but they give up more runs than most people in the top 10. But they do score a lot. I think they've had some really good offensive performances. I'd like to see them in the GSAC. You know, one of the best conferences in NAIA baseball is the GSAC. So really looking forward to seeing them play against Westmont, Hope, Jessup, and all of them. Uh, I, I like your top 10, man. I think Shreveport's been really, really good. I think Shreveport, if they can continue to pitch, it's going to be a World Series team. I think LC State obviously looks the part. They got some good arms this year. I think offensively they're not as good as last year, but they're really good. I think they're outperforming them. But when you lose a guy like Brock Efon and Jack Johnson, that's just two elite baseball players. But I think they're better on the mound. That's for sure. Uh, they did really good. They did what they're supposed to do every year. They go out there, they challenge themselves early, and I know it's hard for them to schedule. So, I mean, they go out there and they play these California teams, 
and they get these ranked wins and they start the year just like they did last year. And now they're going to play. They won't play a top 25 team the rest of the way. I mean, that's a fact. There's no one in the Cascade that's going to be ranked in the top 25. They're going to go out there. They're going to dominate their schedule the rest of the way, and they're going to get a high seed. And I think they've earned it. You know, you have a number five in the country, and I think that's about right. I think they're a top five team. Uh, they're definitely a really good team. They look a part of a good baseball team. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And and one of the things that went into this, Cody, was was we had to move. Uh, basically, we had to move four teams out. And so those teams that got moved out were IUS, Faulkner, Kaiser, and Oklahoma Wesleyan. So uh, I just want to get my reasonings for that really quickly. Uh, Faulkner's two and four to start the year. And and realistically, you could be looking at, at I mean, less than that. They, they could be one and five because Clark was super competitive with them in that series. Do I think things will change down the road for them? Yes, they're a team that that's really turned themselves into a, a national powerhouse since 2010. And, you know, we expect a lot from them every single year. So it is kind of surprising to see them at two and four. I think they will get it figured out uh, as the season goes on. But still, you know, you don't want to see those struggles early on. Uh, they have played some really good ball clubs and and just falling out of the top 20, out of the top 10 right now in these power rankings. A lot can change in a hurry. On top of that, for IUS, IUS is currently one in six. They are dealing with a ton of injuries. They have yet to play a home game. They're 0-3 on the road. They've played, of their seven games, they've played five top 25 teams, and they've faced about six All-American arms. Yeah, and can, been... we, can we just talk about the arms they faced really quick? Yeah, yeah. They faced Austin Seidel, who's an All-American, Robert Gonzalez, who's an All-American, Kobe Foster, who's an All-American. I mean, I really feel bad for IUS. They faced Chris Coyman, who was just an elite, the number two for Tennessee Wesley, and they just have faced – the best arms in the country. They faced Rob Adams, who I think is going to be an All-American at Southeastern. I mean, look at the arm. They faced Rob Adams, Austin Seidel, Kobe Foster, Robert McCloss. Honestly, I think IUS is going to be just fine. I mean, you talked about this off air. I am not worried about IUS at all. Everyone in the country is going to struggle against that schedule. Everyone in the no one's going to hit against those guys. So I think in, they're playing with injuries. I mean, they don't have Clay Weasty. They don't have Dichello. I mean, without their shortstop and second baseman, I, just, I think IUS is a team that's going to play themselves in the top 10. Cody Butler stamps that. <laughs> I I think they that they have a great opportunity to do that. You know, I I think that they have a, a great opportunity to do that, and and really play themselves back into the top ten. I think they could rattle off the next thirty. Uh, they are dealing with some injuries right now. They're not one hundred percent healthy. It, it's going to be tough for them to climb back in. And but once they do get healthy, I think that they're going to have some really big things ahead of them. Again, it's it's a, not really how you start because we saw them start last year look at what tennessee wesleyan did to them last year and this year and we all know how last year ended for them so it was definitely something to keep an eye on but i had to move them out at one and six hitting at a clip of 153 0 and five against you know some of the top teams in the nation really 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 hard to to keep that in there despite that we think that they were really good ball club i also moved out uh kaiser because I'm not quite sure what to make of Kaiser coming into the day seven and five. Uh, they have wins over Bruton Parker, a sweep over Bruton Parker, and then uh, you know several wins over Columbia International. But then losses to Warner today in a midweek, losses to Florida Memorial in a midweek. Uh, you know, so just really tough. They lost the opening series to Mobile. Not really sure what to make of Kaiser yet in the season. So I moved them out for the time being. And then Oklahoma Wesleyan at eight and three. We talked about GGC's schedule with with Oklahoma Wesleyan. It's something also that I wanted to look at. They're eight and three entering today, but five and zero oh against non NAI opponents. And those are teams in the 
uh, NCCAA. Those are teams in the USCAA. I want to say that the NAI combined against USCAA, NCCAA. I, I've got this compiled. I don't have the note open right now, Cody, but I want to say that we are something like 51 and four against those programs. Um, so, you know, to, for them to go five and zero is, is really nothing to bat an eye at because you expect them to win those games. They're going to strike players out. They're going to hit well, uh, but they're one in three against teams in the top 25. They did lose to Bellevue. They did lose to OC, get swept by OCU uh, and split. I want to say they split with Bellevue. So that's their one win. So Oklahoma Wesleyan for the time being, I moved out as well. The teams that took over there in those spots, USAO, Oklahoma City, Vanguard, and then obviously St. Thomas making a, such a big jump. This will be the way it is for the next two weeks. And then in two weeks, we will revisit our top 10 power rank. Job well done, Robbie. I'm, I'm all for it. Those are Robbie's power rankings. I thought <laughs> he did a really well job. Uh, I do want to say that St. Thomas has been really impressive, and I think they're deserving. I think they're only going to get better. Uh, one area, Oklahoma Wesleyan lost their ace last year, who's now at St. Thomas, Crosby Bringhurst. He pitched this weekend against Faulkner. Uh, I think that he's going to be really good for the Bobcats this year, obviously. And uh, he's a guy who pitched out in Lewiston last year. He's going to be now pitching, hopefully, for Lewiston. Now I know St. Thomas wants him to be. And I, th- I think they look really good. You know, Robin Fernandez, Andrew Fernandez, Ezekiel Valdez. I think this is going to be a good-looking ball club. Gio Soto, can't say it enough. Five innings, one earned against Tennessee Wesleyan. Picked up that win against Tennessee Wesleyan. Uh, it might be the only time Tennessee Wesleyan loses for a while. So uh, I think that's just really impressive performance by him. Let's take a look now at our NAI ball hitter, pitcher, and team of the week. Cody, our hitter of the week from the University of the Cumberlands in Kentucky is Carlos Muniz, who is 15 for 18 with five home runs, four doubles, 13 RBIs, and 10 home runs. Slight work on the weekend for him. The pitcher of the week is Andrew Garcia from UAV. Nine innings pitched, two hits, no runs, four strikeouts against the Masters, who has been on fire lately. Uh, just really job well done there. The Masters has been turning teams away left and right. A big win there for Andrew. Big job done there by Andrew Garcia. And then our team of the week from Miami Gardens, Florida, is St. Thomas University, who went 5-0 and with wins against Faulkner, Taylor, Tennessee Wesleyan, Reinhardt, and Division II, Barry, absolutely impressive job by St. Thomas. Carlos Munez, what he's doing at Cumberland's is just insane. This year, he started the year hitting 20 for 26 at the plate. I mean, that is unbelievable. If you're 26 at bat, you're 20 hits in, really good stuff. He already has six home runs. I think he's just been sensational. A five-home run week, you go 15 for 18 at the plate with five home runs. My goodness. I mean, when you saw this stat line, Rob, you got to admit, that's one of the better ones we've seen. Oh, that's we've one of the doing- best ones that we've seen all time. Yeah, it's like one of the best ones we've ever seen. That is an incredible line. That's one of those I texted the coach about. I reached out. I was like, is this legit? Because, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> people put the stats in wrong and they double them. I'm like, is this real? Like, I couldn't believe it. And Andrew Garcia, for what he did against the Masters, and, you know, the Masters offensively, what they did to Texas Wesleyan last week, what they did out at the Calderon, and, then the, you know, what they did the next day. I mean, they came back, swept Garcia, uh, Antelope Valley the next day and won the series. Uh, to go nine-inning shutout, did it on 80 pitches, Really just surgical stuff for Garcia. Says, I mean, he's been their frontline guy for a couple of years now, and uh, he's a dude, and he absolutely got it done against a really good offensive team. Yeah, we value the strikeout here, but if you throw a nine-inning shutout on 80 pitches, uh, you've, you've done something special. And and so, really, congratulations to our, our hitter of the week, Carlos Muniz, who's just been absolutely electric. I hope he continues to just be dominant this season at the plate. 
our pitcher of the week, Andrew Garcia from UAV, who had nine innings pitched, two hits, four Ks versus the Masters on 80 pitches. And then, of course, our team of the week in St. Thomas, who went 5-0 and this week. Other than that, Cody, let's get in to weekend games and series to watch, and let's kick this off with USCB versus SCU. These are just some of the games around the nation that you'd be watching. Johnson versus Kentucky Christian. That's going to be an important one. Kentucky Christian currently on a program high winning streak right now. Mount Mercy will take on Ben U Mesa. Huntington versus Georgetown. Arizona Christian versus the Masters. Ave Maria versus St. Thomas. Weber takes on Faulkner. Middle Georgia takes on Uno. Doan versus McPherson. Presentation versus Mount Marty, IU South Bend versus St. Ambrose, and British Columbia takes on UAV. Anything stick out to you, Cody, in this list here? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Faulkner bounces back. Faulkner went 0-3 at the Rumble. I'm looking forward to seeing how that proud program bounces back against a really good Weber team. Uh, We mentioned at the start of the show, Xavier Rodriguez for Weber, 20 scoreless innings to open the year. I'm looking to see how he does against Faulkner. I'm looking to see how Faulkner responds after going 0-3. I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time Faulkner went 0-3 in the series. So just I'm really looking forward to seeing how that matchup plays out. I think it's a really big one for both teams. Sign me up for Doan McPherson and also for Johnson versus Kentucky Christian. I also want to talk, you know, Arizona Christian, the master. Arizona Christian was a team that I heavily considered to move into my power rankings. Um, You know, if they had a little bit of a different weekend, that's definitely something that I, I would have done. Not faulting them for that. I just think that they're, you know, not starting the season inside of the top 25 a little bit. Uh, far out from that. I think that they've got the resume to be able to do it. It's going to be something interesting to watch to see where they land in March. And if they continue on, you know, they're, they're a team that can bust into the power rankings. It's going to be really interesting to watch. I think that's going to be a fantastic series out in the GSAC, an important one to watch. And then St. Ambrose against IU South Bend, I think is another interesting one because I, you know, really wasn't sure what to make of St. Ambrose. And then they really did some damage against Tennessee Southern. I was really impressed with them there. So uh, definitely going to be a team to watch there this weekend as well. Let's take it to our big series of the week, Cody. And usually when we say we're going down to the Red River, we don't just mean the conference. And for myself, it, it has a totally different meaning than what these two teams have of it. But our big series of the week takes us to Alexandria, Louisiana, in the battle between LSUA and Louisiana Christians separated by just 10 minutes in Pineville and in Alexandria. This matchup literally separated by the Red River like Oklahoma and Texas will take place this weekend. It'll be Louisiana Christians' first ever RRAC series against their crosstown rival, basically. LSUA is 2-2. Two and two. They're, they're hitting... Uh, you know, not great on the year, 212. They want to improve that. But 346 team ERA, Hunter Meshi, 4.1 innings pitch. He got a no decision against IUS. And then Seth Trahan, 1-0, four two-thirds innings pitch, four strikeouts in his first appearance. So these are guys that just saw their first weekend of work this, this past weekend. Louisiana Christian, first year NAI, first RAC series. They're currently 6-2, and two, hitting 289 as a team with a 381 team ERA. Keelan Johnson hitting 417 average, 10 hits, 5 doubles. Cortland Ramirez 1-0 with 11 innings pitched, 16 strikeouts, and a 164 ERA, Cody. And really, Cody, 
This whole thing was decided because of a tweet we saw. Yes, sir. It caught my eye. Uh, Louisiana Christian it out. They said, we open Red River play next Friday at home against that team from across the red. And when I saw that, they called them that team. You know me, I was like, whoa, that's like some Ohio State, Michigan vibes right there. I'm like, I'm interested. And I looked into it. We reached out to both coaches. Uh, and we talked to the coach at Louisiana Alexandria. And he was telling us just how close they are, five, ten minutes away. And, you know, this is Louisiana Christian's first year in the NAIA. But they played last year. I mean, this is a team. They've actually played 24 times total. Uh, they played last year in a doubleheader. They split. LSUA and Louisiana Christian split in a doubleheader. LCU won game one, four to two. LSUA won the nightcap, seven to four. And then before that, they haven't played since 2014. They played a bunch from 28, 2008 to 2014. Uh, quit playing for a bunch of years. Played last year. Obviously, they're going to play this year. And this one and it counts. It's conference play already for the Red River. And we're really looking forward to this one, man. I mean, LSUA leads the all-time series 14-10. to 10. Uh, They split a doubleheader last year. We were talking to Coach on the phone, uh, Coach Cottrell on the phone at LSUA, and we asked, you know, how do you think Louisiana Christian? Do you think this is a team that's going to come in and be a good team in their league? And he talked incredibly highly of them. said that he thinks this is a team that's going to come in and compete, uh, compete for an opening round spot. It's a team that's going to compete uh, in this league really well. And you see what they've done to start. I mean, to come in from D3 and go 6-2, and two, uh, have a really hot start, beat Tabor by 11 runs. I mean, put 14 up on Tabor, a really quality program. Uh, we're really impressed, really impressed with Louisiana Christian right out the gate. And we're looking forward to seeing what they can do against LSUA, who was in the Red River run all year last year. LSUA was very good last year. They were in this conference title run down to the last weekend of the season. Uh, I think they're really good. They're competing, obviously, against some really other good programs. You're looking at Our Lady of the Lake, Texarkana. If you can add a team like Louisiana Christian and they'd be really good, it's going to make this league really good. Cody, we are all about a good rivalry here. I mean, we love a good rivalry. I mean, Point Park, IU Southeast is one that we circle on the calendar. Uh, I, I'm a huge proponent of, of Kaiser St. Thomas being two of the top programs in South Florida. Uh, you know, it's it's just really, really, really exciting to see rivalries develop and to see one here between LSUA and Louisiana Christian that we get to see every year in a conference setting is going to be absolutely fantastic. So I'm really excited uh, to see how how people turn out to that one, and and um, to see that Louisiana Christian had some buzz around it was was something good to see. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Usually when we talk about the team on the other side of the red, uh, we're talking about some dirty Sooners, but in this case, LSUA Louisiana Christian, it is the big series of the week, Cody, and we are excited for it. So. That will do it for us here this week, Cody, man. We had a lot of information for the folks at home. Any final thoughts before we get going for the week? I think I'm just excited to get back to watching like regular three-game, four-game series baseball. Uh, tournament baseball is fun, but it's so hard to keep up with all that. And now we're getting conference play already, so I'm just looking forward to getting into some of this conference play and just see more of the teams in action, man. Conference play getting going around the nation and all over the country this weekend. Uh, definitely excited to see how that shapes out, man. And and really, like you said, uh, especially with Presto, it's really hard to keep up with. Anytime we can get a shot at Presto this year, we're probably going to do it. So I agree. It's, it's all. Um, we would have been done with. We would have had all tournament team done on Saturday night if if you know because Dax stats well, you were able to separate tournaments and and things like that. And if we could just get a clickable link. If we, somehow, nice. if we could somehow get to their opponent, but just for a click, uh, you know, if we could get a clickable link, it would be incredible. And not five hour load times and just 
this is a whole story for another day, man. We'll be here all night. Uh, but definitely, man, excited to get baseball back underway. Three game series, four game series. I know that there's uh, something going on in Joplin as well this weekend. So again, tournament baseball for the weekend, pretty much done on our end for what we sponsor. We're back to it. Looking ahead to every single game around the nation. We gave you plenty of stats, information, teams that you need to be watching. We are super excited. Don't do not forget. Do not forget to download, subscribe, rate, and comment the podcast. Then unsubscribe, then resubscribe, then re-download the show again. You would be doing us a huge favor here at NAI Ball. We are super excited to have you all along on this journey with us all season long. So for Connor Darnell, for Mr. NAI Ball himself, Cody Butler. I'm Robbie Gutierrez at RobG1063 on Twitter if you want to get at me, at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram for all of our socials as well and everything that you need. Games, scores, stats, news, information, insight about NAI baseball, the broad picture, not just the singular score or stat, often imitated but never duplicated right here at NAI Ball. We will talk to you all again next week. That'll do it for us here. Season 5, Episode 4. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.